Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. You may, you may be seated. If you'll look up here on the screen, uh, these three points are very, very important, all right? Very, very important for you and for your family. So uh, these are the three points so that I won't lose you, all right? Number one, uh, the two phases of the second coming. Say that with me, the two phases of the second coming. Uh, number two, the visible earthly kingdom. And then uh, what we're concerned right now in our personal lives today, this week, this month, this year, the rest of this year, is the kingdom and mystery. Somebody say amen. So this morning, before we get into those three points, uh, we need to clarify some things this morning. And number one, we are living, uh, listen to me real carefully, we are living in the best days of our life. Would you raise your hand and say, we are living in the best days of our life. Say it again, say it like you mean it. We are living in the best days of our life. And it can only get better. Everybody understand that? It can only get better. The closer we get, to the second coming of the Lord, then we as believers, if we understand who we are and we exercise our authority, then it's only, it can only get better and better. And we're not just talking, all right? Somebody say, well, just a little sermon. No, we're not just talking. I've experienced this for the last uh, 50 years of my life when I came back from uh, the war zone in Vietnam. I was, uh, then I got, uh, 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 I left the army, I went straight to the university, came out of there, uh, then I uh, had an encounter with God and my life has gone up and up and up, and he said, when will it ever stop? It'll never stop because we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from trying to triumph. Now that is the normal, normal Christian life. Now there's, uh, some Christians live their life, hopefully not you. Up one day, down the next day, up one day, one day they're believing, one day they're not, one day they're in sin, someday uh, they're following the Lord. Well, that's not normal. The normal life is ever increasing, going from glory to glory. Not sometimes you're dead, sometimes you're alive, sometimes you have faith, sometimes you have doubt. That's not the normal Christian life, all right? So this morning, because we're speaking about the, uh, the second coming of the Lord, end-time prophecy, somebody say end-time prophecy, should be the favorite, the favorite subject of Christians today. It's the most exciting. This is what catapulted me right into the ministry. Never had an idea, never even thought uh, that I would be in the ministry. I had other plans. Left the Army, uh, went into university, was in business, and then the Lord called me into ministry all because of the second coming of the Lord. When I first heard that, I said, oh, my, what am I doing? Uh, this is, if this is real. So I started investigating. So uh, that is uh, the most important, most exciting subject and should be your most important subject uh, for you as a believer uh, today. There's a lot of important subjects, but this is very, very important. And I've been sharing the other ministry uh, uh, the, uh, for one month already, we're in the second month, because it, it, we could do it all year, forever, uh, teaching on the second coming of the Lord, but it's very, very exciting. Now, there's trouble in Israel, but uh, you don't have to worry about Israel, you don't have to worry about Hamas, 
Israel will hold its ground and is going towards Zechariah chapter 12. When you get home, you can read Zechariah chapter 12. You might want to jot that down. Uh, that will, uh, that will see, we will see the whole picture there of what will happen in Israel. So end time prophecy is not to scare uh, the children of God, but to make them rejoice. Somebody said to make us rejoice. And also for you to have peace and for you to have joy. Now, if you can understand the master plan of God, the whole plan of God, the way it's moving and where it's going to head, then you're going to have peace, you're going to have joy every day. You won't have ups and downs, all right? So because of, of who we are and because we're going to exercise our authority, there's no fear. Somebody say no fear. For God has not given us, raise your hand and say this with me. Say it out loud. For God has not given us. The spirit of fear, say it. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. We cast that spirit out. We don't have any fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So he repeats that 365 times throughout the Bible so that you can get it, so that, this, uh, that you will never have fear and that you'll be able to uh, do God's will, all right? And the reason we don't have fear is because we know who we are. Jesus in John 17, uh, de describing uh, what your life should be. He said, you will be in the world, but you will not be what? You'll not be of the world. You're in the world, uh, but you're not of the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind that you may know the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So in Galatians 3, he says, we have been redeemed from the curse, the curse of the law. Somebody say, we've been redeemed. So that means if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is uh, spiritual death, uh, sickness, and poverty, we are exempt. We're not concerned about COVID. Pastor, did you get COVID? Of course not. Did you take a test for COVID? No. Did you take an injection? Of course not. So it's, you say, how do you know you're not going to get it? Well, he said it. He said, no plague will come near our dwelling place. Lift your hand and say, no plague will come near our dwelling place. I don't care what's coming down the pipeline. I'm in the world, but I'm not of this world. Say it. I'm in this world, but not of this world. So you won't fall asleep. Stand up. Let's give the Lord a great praise offering. Come on. A big one. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. You may, you may be seated. And uh, the reason I gave you those, uh, uh, that clarification there is because you must understand that God is in total control of all future events. It is right on schedule. Somebody say it's on schedule. Nothing can stop it. He is God, all right? Nothing can stop it. These, uh, I teach in our training, one of our training, spiritual warfare, uh, when they get to the eighth or ninth week, those people jump to another level because they see the whole panoramic view of what's going to take place in the future. So God has total, total control of all future events. You, no one, no government can stop what God is about to do. Does everybody understand? Uh, he is God. Hallelujah. He says in Isaiah 43, 13, I will work and who will reverse it? I will work and who shall hinder it, right? But uh, uh, he has control over everything, all the future events. However, you got to understand this. We need to clarify this. 
that he has no control over your personal life. Everybody understand that? He has no control over your personal life. God, make me do it. Really? He's not going to make you do it. The reason you're here this morning is because you made a decision to come here this morning. And if you pray tomorrow, you made a decision. You read your Bible, you made a decision. God cannot override your will. If you're a lazy Christian, if you just sit around and do nothing, well, God's not going to make you. Does everybody understand that? He's not. You, he made you in his image. Uh, you have a free will. You can get up and do it. If you're walking around lazy, defeated, failure, it's because you decided that and you made your, uh, your mind to do that. Everybody understand that? We have no, con uh, God has no control over your personal life. Oh, God, force me. Really? He's not going to force you. He's not going to force you to do anything. Uh, people can go to hell if they want to. People can live a defeated life if they want to. They can be healthy if they want to. They can have a good marriage if they want to. They can have good families if they want to. It's all up to you. Everybody understand that. This is why in Romans 10, 13, he said, whosoever, somebody say whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord. If you don't call upon the name of the Lord, well, that's you. you say, well, I don't read my Bible. That's you. I, I'll, I'm going to live defeated. That's you. But the Christian that decides is ever-increasing faith, going from glory to glory. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to look up here on the screen because I'm clarifying some things real quickly. Uh, Hebrews 11:6. he says, but without faith, it is what? Say it. Say it out loud. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. And then he says this, for he who comes to God, God's not going to come to you. He's not going to force you. You've got to come to God. Somebody say, prove to me that God is real. <laughs> you don't have to prove anything. God's not going to have to prove anything to you. You come to God, and he'll change your life. Can you say amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a great praise offering for that. Hallelujah. You come to God. You come to God. And then you, when you come to God, you must believe in that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? So if you don't take steps toward God, well, don't be crying, right, and, and wondering why your life is such a mess. We, we're going to have a victorious life if you'll just come to God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So God's not going to obligate anybody. So he has already established, if you look at what God has done, everything has already been established. Everything has been provided for. For example, he has already established. He has already provided long life. Now we will determine if we're going to shorten or lengthen our life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So some people don't get to 40. Some people don't get to 50. But God has already established a long life for them. It depends on you, what you're going to decide. He has already provided health uh, by his stripes. We were what? We were healed. Well, that depends on you. I want to live healthy. Well, then you get a hold of God's word, you'll confess it, and you'll confess it until you believe it. It gets down in your heart, and then you will say it, and you'll release it in your life, and you'll live a healthy life. I can tell you uh, it's worked in my life. The last 50 years have been bless a blessing for me, like I told you, and the last headache, and the, last, uh, and the Lord is my witness, the last flu I had was 1978, and I'm 75 right now, feel like 30, and I'm just getting started. Praise God. Does everybody understand? It is up to us. It's up to you. God has, com he has complete control of all the world events. He's going on schedule and he's moving. Nobody can stop him. 
His plan is going to be fulfilled. But he has no control over your life. No control. You have to decide. It's up to us. He said, I will serve God. I will have a great life. I will not use drugs. I will not be an alcoholic. I will not be a pervert. Everybody understand that? You decide. I'm going to have a good family. I decided, and my life went up. Praise God. Let's give the Lord another praise offering. Praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, to clarify everything and put you in the right uh, uh, mindset this morning, there are four major uh, events that are going to take place in the, in the future. Number one, it is the rapture. Number two, it is the great tribulation. Uh, number three, it is the actual second coming visible earthly return of the Lord Jesus. And then there is the 1,000-year reign, and we can stop there, but it continues in the plan of God. But those are the four major uh, events that are coming. Number one, the rapture. Somebody say the rapture. Number two, uh, the great tribulation, the second coming of the Lord, and the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, when we talk about the tribulation, and I wish I had a lot of time to do that, but when we talk about the tribulation, uh, this is the way it's been presented in churches, okay? I heard that uh, uh, during my lifetime. People present it, you say, well, you got to watch out for the Antichrist. You got to watch out for the devil. That is, should be the least concern for people because the great tribulation is uh, sure the God is going to permit the devil to have his man for a little short time, three and a half years to have control. But uh, what people should be concerned about is God himself. The tribulation is God's doing. It is his wrath. He is going to orchestrate seven years of judgment on this world. Everybody understand that. The Bible said it is the wrath of the lamb. It is the lamb himself that breaks the seals. And one seal comes and another and six seals and then seven trumpets and then seven vials. God is going to bring the whole world to its knees. Does everybody understand that? You say, well, why would he do that? Well, because he's got purpose. His purpose is to set up his kingdom, to set up the kingdom of his dear son. Can you say amen? And it cannot be done with all this perversion and all the junk that is going on and all these pagan nations and pagan governments and everything that is here. He cannot do that. So he is going to bring a great tribulation on this world. So the people's concern is not the devil. <laughs> Don't worry about the devil. Don't worry about the Antichrist. It's God you should be concerned about. Does everybody understand that? So uh, uh, there are two phases to the second coming. That's point number one. Two phases uh, to the second coming. And we'll use two words. For the church. Somebody say for the church. See, there's two phases. When we talk about the second coming, well, there's a coming for us. Uh, there's uh, uh, for the church, and then number two, with the church. Say that with me. For the church, and then with the church. So when he comes for the church, that is the snatching away. He's not coming down here to earth. We're going to meet him in the air, all right? You say, well, why would the Lord want to come down for us? Well, he has a purpose. He has a purpose to rapture the church seven years before the great tribulation or seven years before the second coming. 
is because we need a glorified body. So when we look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 50 and 51, uh, Paul says this. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies, you can see it up here on the screen, physical bodies cannot inherit. Say that. Our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. These bodies here uh, have a hard time lasting 60, 70, 80, 90 years, but God needs to give you a new body that you will have throughout eternity. Can you say amen? So that is one of the reasons why the Lord is coming for his church, to give him a glorified body. Number two, it is to present you at the bema. Every believer is going to have to be there at the judgment seat of Christ. You have a judgment. Well, you'll have rewards, no rewards, uh, uh, position or no position for all what? For the thousand-year reign. So uh, if you're a do-nothing here, then uh, there's nothing for you at the judgment seat of Christ. No rewards, no nothing. But your position in the future will depend on what you do right now, your obedience. And number three, uh, he is coming for the church so that we can get married. Somebody say get married. That's right. So the key word for the church right now above, uh, 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 among many other key words is the key word espoused, okay? And I already explained to you two weeks ago what that means. When we talk about marriage, we're talking about uh, uh, a Jewish marriage. Does everybody understand that? Uh, so we, he says that we're going to have, we're going to enter into the marriage uh, marriage supper of the Lamb and the celebration. So the key word for the believers is espouse, which means in our English uh, here in the U.S. is that we are engaged, right? Now, you can break your engagement if you want to, but we are engaged. Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus made a covenant with us, and then he went, just like a Jewish wedding, he went uh, and he has gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus said that. And then he's going to come back and take us with him. So that is the purpose of this uh, uh, rapture or the uh, uh, grabbing or snatching away of the church. All right. And now let's go real quickly. And I'm just highlighting some things because there's no possible way that I could give you all this in 30 minutes. All right. So point number two is the visible uh, earthly kingdom. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus himself, it will be visible earthly. We know if you read uh, all of the Old Testament, Jewish people, they know that there is going to be a visible earthly kingdom of a king, the Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah. He's already come. They didn't get that, but he's coming the second time. And when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation, somebody say at the end of the tribulation, uh, then he will be, he will come visibly, every eye shall see him, and Israel will get saved in one day. They, he will come visibly uh, and, and to establish an earthly invisible kingdom here for 1,000 years. And anything that was not destroyed or brought down, anything that is wicked uh, during the seven years because it's going to be hell here on earth. And who's going to orchestrate that? God is going to do that with his angel. He said, one, let's go, man, just like he did in Egypt. He said, who sent all the plagues in Egypt? It was God himself. Let my people go. 
that they may serve me. That's what uh, God told Moses. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go that my, that my people can serve me. Praise God. Pharaoh said no. He said, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And by, by the time it hit numbers, he said, let them go, right? So God is going to orchestrate these seven years. And that's the great tribulation. But the visible kingdom of the Lord is coming. Does everybody understand that? So we can't give you all the scriptures, but in Revelation chapter 20, he mentions 1,000 years, six times, and seven verses. All right? Uh, six times in seven verses. And he says this. Uh, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and having a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, bound him for how many years? One thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and, sh uh, bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal on him so he would not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and, I s and sat upon them, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those that had been beheaded for the witness uh, to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast nor his image, and had not received his mark on his foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how many? 1,000 years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the 1,000 years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed is he, say it with me, blessed is he and holy who is part in the first resurrection over such uh, death has no power, but they will be priests of God uh, and, uh, 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 and of Christ and shall reign with him. How many years? A 1,000 years. And when the 1,000 years have expired, same will be released from his prison. So uh, just that one scripture tells you that there's a thousand years coming and when will that come when jesus comes here on planet earth he's going to set up his personal kingdom for one thousand years it'll be a kingdom with no devil he'll be in the abyss and then he'll be released out at the end of thousand years so uh, uh it, it will be a, a fantastic one thousand years of total uh, restoration here on earth uh, and then uh, it will go into another that we not we can't talk to uh, talk about this morning. Number three, let's go to the kingdom, and here we are. So my rest of my time here, I have uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, so about twenty minutes. I want to share this. This is very very important. All right, somebody say the kingdom in mystery form. Now when Jesus comes. It's not mystery form. It's the manifestation now of the kingdom, all right? Now, the reason uh, the, the kingdom is now in the mystery form is because the king, Jesus is the king, having uh, the Jews having rejected the king, it was impossible for him to set up his kingdom. So the kingdom took up another aspect. Everybody understand? Jesus came the first time. The Jews rejected him. He's the king of the Jews. They rejected him, so it was impossible for him to set up his kingdom. He was rejected. So the kingdom took other, another aspect known as the kingdom in mystery. That mystery form, listen real carefully. I don't want to lose you. This mystery form of the kingdom is described in the kingdom of heaven parables. And what? In the kingdom of heaven parables, this kingdom in mystery 
is described in the kingdom of heaven parables found in Matthew chapter uh, 13 and on. In chapter 13, seven of the 12 are mentioned, all right? Now, so if we want to know, listen to me real carefully. If we want to know the character of this period, everybody look up here, so I don't want to lose you. Between the ascension of Jesus, somebody say the ascension of Jesus. So it's going to cover a period now, this mystery and kingdom. It's between uh, the ascension of Jesus and the Lord coming back for his church, all right? So in, betwe in between that, that, that time period, then we see the, the kingdom in mystery. And if we want to know what is taking place, what we have to do, how to protect ourselves, how... Uh, what kind of, uh, what steps should we take, then we have to study the 12 parables. Did everybody get that? So, if we want to know the character of this period, then we must study the 12 parables so that we can understand what we have to do, uh, how we have to maneuver, how to protect ourselves, how to defend ourselves, and uh, how to have victory during this period that we are in the, uh, in, the, in the period of the kingdom and mystery. Everybody understand that? All right? Now, the kingdom of darkness, listen real carefully, because we're going to cover these uh, real quickly, four of these. The kingdom of darkness is not concerned about mere humans. Does everybody understand that? They know they can outpower you, overpower you. They're not concerned with mere humans. They are a, uh, they are a, 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 a spiritual beings without human bodies, all right, without bodies. Okay, they are powerful. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, they're not concerned about you as a mere human. It's not a level playing field, all right? They know that. So they're not concerned about mere humans. They can overpower you, easy. They can deceive you easy, all right? Uh, they're not concerned about uh, mere humans, but they are concerned. They are concerned with born-again humans. Can you say amen? But not just being born again, but uh, uh, born-again humans that are suited up. Amen? You have to be suited up. In other words, with the whole armor of God. Not just a little dancer, a little say, no, not, the devil's not concerned about that. He is, uh, he, he is concerned about uh, uh, these humans that are born again, that are suited up, that have the whole armor of God. Does everybody understand that? It is not a, a level playing field. It's not. Uh, uh, this spiritual, spiritual world, <laughs> spiritual world, man with great forces, and they look down at us humans and say, these humans are nothing. We can overcome them, overpower them, but when they look and see a believer that is suited up and has the whole armor of God, then they begin to tremble because part of the armor of God is the sword. All the armor has to do with uh, the word of God. And then you come down to the sword of the spirit. And it's very important for us to understand the, the parables, all right? So the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema, 
When it comes out of your mouth as a believer, when you exercise your authority, you have a sword. And if you don't open your mouth up and say nothing, you have no sword. You say, yeah, but I have the word here. I believe it. I, you, you don't open your mouth except to uh, speak negative stuff. But if uh, that's all you have, you don't have no sword. We need a sword. Does everybody understand that? When you go into combat, you can defend yourself, put on uh, all your gear, but you better have a weapon, right? And, man, they trained us. And when we hit Vietnam, oh, man, you had to have your stuff together. Does everybody understand that? Or you're dead the first day. So the the. The sword of the spirit, it is, the, uh, it is a powerful weapon, and God describes it this way. Hebrews 1.3, he said he upholds all things with the word of his power. Everything, all of the universe, God upholds it. How? How? It's moving in total harmony. How is everything moving in such harmony and, and, uh, and has been since the beginning and will throughout eternity? It's the word of God. God upholds all things with his word of his power. And then in uh, Romans 1.16, he says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. It is the power of God. And the devil knows that. He, when he sees the word coming out of, oh, hears the word coming out of somebody, he knows that that is the power of God. And then in Psalms 107, verse 20, he sent his word in what? And he healed them. The word is powerful. Praise God. So, what is the enemy going to try to do? He's not concerned about humans. He's going to do everything to hinder, hinder, to keep the word away from you. Everybody understand that? He's going to do everything to keep the word from any human, number two, and to keep it uh, ineffective in your life. All right? Uh, because if he does that, he's not concerned about you. He's not concerned about humans. He's concerned about the power of God coming out of you. Everybody understand that? So uh, he will do everything to alienate you from the word, keep you from reading God's word, from declaring God's word, from knowing God's word, from exercising God's word. He's going to do that. And when he does that, then he knows he can defeat you easy. You're easy for him. He can put sickness on you, put a plague on you. He can take away your family. He'll come for 100%. He'll come for uh, your money, for everything. And he'll do that because you have no defense, no weapons. Everybody understand that? So the first of the 12, somebody say the first of the 12. That's right, the first four of the 12 is the parable of the sower. Uh, and then the parable of the wheat and tares. And then the mustard tree. And then uh, the leaven, all right? So uh, in order for us to understand this time in which we're living, we have to protect ourselves, know what to do. We must study these 12 parables. And the, tw and the parable of the sower, you already know that. Remember, uh, uh, the objective there is to show the causes that hinder the growth of the seed. The seed is the incorruptible word. And the devil's going to do everything to cause that, uh, cause it not to be effective to hinder the growth of the seed. So the seed fell among four types of grounds, right? Four types of hearts, uh, uh, conditions in people's lives. Number one, it fell among the wayside. And the wayside means those people that hear it, and then uh, they hear it, but they don't understand. 
and the devil comes, Jesus said, and he comes and snatches away the word just like that. They heard it. All these four people, four groups of people, heard the word of God, but the people that heard it and didn't understand it, the devil just takes that word. By the time they hit the door, by the time they get to their house, they didn't understand it, so the devil just steals it. That's why you need training. You need it. You can't get it just on Sunday morning. You need training in your life. I know because all the training that I've had in different things, uh, when, when you're trained, it, become, you be, it becomes second nature to you. You don't have to be thinking about it. You do it. When we were trained in the Army, uh, in those days, by the time we hit Vietnam, we were, we were doing things uh, without thinking, just second nature. Everybody understand that, all right? So number two, it fell upon stony ground. Who are these people? They hear, rejoice, but have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. When tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately they stumble. That's the second people, all right? They just, they rejoice. Oh, I got the word. And then a little, a little pressure comes, and they're back to where they started again. They're back to the world, right? And then number three, the thorns, the, the group of the, uh, that fell among the thorns. These people are hear the word, but guess what? The devil is, uh, he's shrewd, man. He said, well, let's fill their life with cares. Let's fill them with the deceitfulness of riches, jobs, everything else. We need to choke this word because we're not afraid of them. We are afraid of what they could do to our kingdom. They look like a threat. He looks like a threat. She looks like a threat. Uh, let's fill their lives with a bunch of cares of this world. Facebook, Twitter, uh, football, basketball, uh, all these sports. Let's just fill them up with all this other stuff until the word is totally choked and ineffective in their life. That is the, the group of the people, uh, the seed that fell among the thorns. And then the good ground fell on good ground. But even among the good ground people, listen to me, there's levels. The 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It'd be nice if all the Christians were on the same level. But it's not going to happen because there's some that have more of the word in them. They, they're moving out. They have dedicated themselves. They have, they're the hundredfold people that are going to produce in this world. Everybody understand that? That's the parable of the sower. And then the parable, I'll go real quickly. The parable of the wheat and tares is just this. The field is the world. Listen real carefully. The field is the world, and guess what the Lord Jesus did? He, in this parable, he's do, uh, it's about humans. He put his people in the world. Raise your hand and say, he put me here. And then the devil said, well, uh, the Lord Jesus put his people there. I'm going to put my people. I'm going to put agents of hell in the field too so that we can change the aspect, the whole outlook of the field, all right? That's the uh, parable of the wheat and tares, tares among the wheat, all right? And then uh, we'll go real quickly, uh, the mustard tree. The mustard tree, uh, mustard tree or the herb that became a tree, uh, that corruption comes from the outside. And it's uh, all four parables are about the same thing. Look, it's to show us and to warn us uh, it is to warn us that we, we have to 
uh, uh, we have to understand who we are, and we have to understand the results of the preaching of the gospel in this world so that we won't be discouraged, okay? So the apparent defeat of the, of the word of God. So we can't look at that. We, we'll, if we read the parables, we can understand what Jesus was saying all along, okay? So this is all Matthew 13, and that's the, the parable of the mustard tree, okay? became a big tree. And then guess who sat on the trees? Birds did. They're the same birds of the first parable. Corruption from, from, from without. Everything is to corrupt the seed. See, he's not concerned about you. He's concerned about the word in you. All right? It, because that's the power of God. Right? That's, that'll, that's, the, that's the power that will heal you. The power to change your marriage, pair up, uh, to give you destiny. The power to change your, uh, your family. It's the power to prosper you. Does everybody understand that? So the enemy is coming for the word of God. So the mustard tree, the corruption comes from the outside. And in the next parable, which is the parable of the leaven. All right, and I'll finish with this. It's internal corruption from within. Somebody say within. That's it. So he said in uh, Matthew 13, 33, I'll finish with this. Uh, he says, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All right. So uh, uh, Jesus used the word leaven three times. He says he speaks of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven of Herod. He calls the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, false doctrine. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of scriptures about that. Corruption, now watch this. Look how the enemy works. This is why he has given us the parables. So he would warn us uh, what's coming down the pipeline and in the period or this time that we're living in here, uh, absent from the king. Somebody say absent from the king. That's it. The king is absent. So the kingdom took on a mystery form. And those 12 parables of the kingdom of heaven explain and reveal what's taking place during this period of time between the ascension and the Lord coming for his church. And if we understand the parables, we can protect ourselves, defend ourselves. We can uh, move with total assurance and victory and, and, and be ready for when the bridegroom comes. Does everybody understand that? All right. So the, uh, the, uh, the parable of the leaven is false doctrine. But let me uh, finish it with this because we don't have time. In Matthew 7, 20, Jesus summed it all up, and he, and he made it real simple. No Christian should ever be deceived. You know why Christians are deceived? Because they're looking at titles. I'm an apostle. Really? I am a, I'm a Christian. Really? No, Jesus said this. Don't go by uh, titles. Don't go by what people say. I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a charismatic, I'm a baptism, I'm a this or that. Uh, that don't mean anything. Jesus said, you shall know them by how? By their fruits. If you'll put that up there, Matthew 7, 20, you shall know them by their fruits. If they don't have the fruits, they're not the real. They say, yeah, but I've been in church 30 years. That don't mean anything. Don't mean anything. You shall know them, Jesus said, by their fruits. 
and this is very important because of the time we're living in, when he comes, now listen to what Jesus said, many, how many? Many will come saying, Lord, Lord. They're, they knew him. Lord, Lord. Then we cast out devils in your name. Then we prophesy. We were in church, he said. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Everybody understand that? So we have to uh, prepare ourselves, and we can sanctify ourselves. Jesus is coming for a virgin bride. Say, well, I wasn't, I'm not virgin. Well, he made you a virgin, right? You were not virgin. You were a prostitute. You prostituted yourself with everything. But he's coming for a virgin. He made you a virgin. He said In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, uh, uh, and, uh, see if I can remember that. He says, in, uh, uh, he says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made me a virgin. He made you a virgin. And the virgin's got to continue to be a virgin. You everybody understand that? That's right. He made you a virgin. Now you got to continue to be a virgin because if he's not coming for anything but a virgin. He's not coming from no prostitute. Oh, he's not. He's not. He's coming for a bride. He said that, Matthew chapter 5, without spot or wrinkle. Right? People will say, Lord, Lord, uh, I prophesied. I was in church. I, I was apostle. I was a pastor. I was said, depart from you, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Yeah, but I was in church all these years. So what? You prostituted yourself. You walked away from me. Yeah, but I served in there. Yeah. So we have all the info from Jesus himself to how to live while we're here using the 12 parables. Can you say amen? Did everybody understand me this morning? Huh? Did you understand me? I mean, I just hit the highlights. <laughs> just did it quickly. But let's stand up and lift your hand and call out to Jesus right now. Call out to Jesus. Come on. You have to call out to him. Call out to him. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, you're not living right, just ask God to, uh, for repentance right now. Uh, repent. Just call on to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Raise your hand, please. Everybody raise your hand. Would you please just raise your right hand and call out to the Lord right now. Your hand is not going to get tired. Just raise your hand up and say, Lord, I confess Jesus as Lord. Say that. I confess Jesus as Lord, and I believe with all my heart that you raised him from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord, and save me. I want to declare myself saved on this uh, eighth day of October. I give you my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. For the Christians, God has given us a provision. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's what? He's faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.